You're about to learn a lot more about the automotive bailout in Washington. This is AutoLine. As I'm sure anyone watching this show knows by now, there's no way the Detroit three automakers are going to survive unless someone throws them a lifeline. Specifically, they need cash, and I mean billions. Moreover, General Motors needs a big loan before this year is out. The CEOs of the Detroit automakers and the president of the UAW are going to be in Washington this week pleading their case to Congress. What's going to happen? Well, that's what this show is about. I'll be sitting down today with Dr. David Cole, the chairman for the Center of Automotive Research, and with Mike Stanton, the CEO of the Association of International Automobile Manufacturers, the import brands. It'll be fascinating to get his point of view on the bailout. And then just to clean our minds out of all this bailout mess, I've got an interview that I did with Steve Henderson, president of the Americas for Dow Automotive, about how they're using motor racing in their B2B advertising. They really stuck their necks out on this one, and you'll find this a pretty interesting story. So stick around, we'll be back right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to my discussion all right now about the bailout going on in Washington with Dr. David Cole, the chairman of the Center for Automotive Research, and Mike Stanton, the CEO and president of the Association of International Automobile Manufacturers. Great to have you both here at AutoLine. Dave, let me start with you. This, this bailout thing, there's going to be a huge discussion in Washington this week. Is the industry going to get a bailout or not? I, I think it's a real tough issue right now. Uh, there are so many people that have a perception of the industry that is inaccurate, whether it's union contracts or past experiences or who really caused their current problem. And those that are in the know, those that I think that really understand the situation in the industry, have some depth of uh, what's gone on for the past few years, I, I think there's no problem with them. But we have so many people that have a, such a shallow uh, knowledge base of uh, this industry and have not really kind of they're not living in the contemporary world they're really living a couple of years ago and and that's a problem in terms of getting this through and I can tell you I philosophically don't like this kind of thing but you're I mean, in favor of it I'm in favor of it because I the cost of uh, a cleanup of a really big mess and this would be a really big mess if it gets away from us is uh, dramatically higher than the cost of prevention all you have to do is take one of the big guys out and because of the tightly knit fabric of the industry, it'll take the entire industry down. Now it'll come back at some point, but the loss to our economy in that period uh, will dwarf what it takes to uh, somehow provide a bridge to the future with some type of a bridge loan. Mike, you represent the, the international automakers, right. uh, the, the import brands, if you will, in the American market. What, what's your uh, stance on this whole bailout? Well, we, would, we want to see a very strong U.S. economy. That's number one. And we think if we get that, then everything else will fall into place. I agree with Dave, though. I think next week Congress comes back and it's a lame duck session, which means that you have members that have already been defeated. And it's only one week. And this is a very complicated issue that uh, goes right to the core of some people's uh, <laughs> beliefs. Uh, next week, uh, Congressman Barney Frank is going to hold a hearing and uh, Ford GM Chrysler and the UAW will be there and testify. 
yesterday on the Senate side, though, uh, Senator Dowd, who uh, chairs the relevant committee, uh, said that he didn't look like he had many votes on the Republican side and then didn't want to do anything unless the Republicans came on board. So there's a lot of infighting going on, and I think uh, a lot of work has to be done between now and next week if there's any chance at all of it being uh, uh, passed. In this session of Congress. Dave, Dave, do you think they'll get this bill through? Uh, my guess is that they will when they really understand the facts and, and then strictly in a cash basis. I mean, if you look at a cascading impact through the industry and really the hundreds of thousands of jobs, uh, potentially well over three million that could leave, just the fact that those people wouldn't be paying taxes, and uh, whether it's Social Security taxes or income taxes, and now move over on things like unemployment, that, that cost to the economy is actually uh, greater than the cost of a bridge loan into the future. And when In other words, it's, it's cheaper to bail them out than to let them go it, under. It, on a strict cash flow basis, it, it makes sense. And I think particularly when you look at it from the side of uh, the industry and why they're here, I mean, what we're seeing is a lot of blame being put on the industry. Well, the primary problem here is really the financial meltdown. We've seen this precipitous decline in sales. Revenue has fallen dramatically, and it went beyond anybody's projections. And with that, uh, the cash problem became extremely tough. A secondary complicity on the part of government is just lack of an energy policy that uh, makes sense. I mean, energy policy, for example, we did corn to ethanol, uh, which never had any technical or economic foundation for it, but then we have not done a lot of other things, and that was a complicity related to what we saw last spring and this dramatic rise in energy prices. So the government has really caused the problem, and I think you could make, it a uh, make an argument then that the government should somehow be involved in the uh, solution. And in a, in a very important point is that some people say, well, this is going to go on forever. They ask for so much now and so much later. We're on the edge of a major turnaround in this industry like we have not seen before. Uh, we're going to have pent up, where we are creating huge pent up demand. Uh, we're taking a lot of capacity out, which means more pricing power to the industry. And a third uh, uh, a very important factor, particularly for the domestic three, is when that new labor contract kicks in in the next year or so. Uh, the benefits of that, of having total cost parity in labor with the internationals, creates a whole new world. And we're on the threshold, in my judgment, of record profitability in this industry, but you, you have to live to that future. Yeah, you, you do have to survive until then. Mike, I got to imagine a number of your members, though, are saying, hey, why can't we get some of this money? We operate in, American, in America. We have a lot of American employees. Why can't we get our hands on some of this bailout money? Well, there's a lot of, there's different pots. And one of them is, was, was passed in the in $25 billion in the uh, Energy Information and Security Act of last year. And that's really uh, provided for purposes of improving uh, technology and, and fuel efficiency. Then there's other buckets of $25 billion that are that they're looking at also. Our, our members are, are suffering, too. I mean, we, sales are down all over over all companies, whether it's Toyota, Honda, Nissan. I mean, the, the sales and, are And all over the down. world. Absolutely, in Europe too, no question about that. But, but we look at this as, a, as a really, at this point in time, it's a Ford GM Chrysler UAW crisis, and that needs to be solved. And you guys are in uh, favor of that? We, we want a strong, competitive industry, absolutely. First is, let's get the Your economy going. You guys must be worried about if any one of the Detroit three go under, they pull hundreds of suppliers <laughs> down with them and, and hurt your that's guys. That's what people don't understand, is, is that the, in, the industry now is so integrated, and with so many suppliers providing materials for so many manufacturers, if the suppliers go, then it disrupts everyone. And that's our real concern. Dave, there's uh, reports now that there might be a filing in Europe with uh, the World Trade Organization, the WTO, going, hey, 
you can't go bail these guys out. That's illegal under trade laws. Might that not hurt the chances of a bailout coming I, I, up next week? I, it, it could, but ultimately all politics are local. Uh, you can think of it at the city and this county and state and national level. And I think ultimately uh, the political leaders of this country will do what is best for our economy. And when you look at the impact we have already seen with the financial meltdown, and if you layer on this, uh, the highest economic multiplier industry in our economy that is also very, very large, uh, what you're looking at is uh, forgetting about the cash issue, is the potential for really a catastrophe in our economy and really deepening and lengthening, maybe not uh, a recession, yeah, but really I, turning this I, into I a I completely, 100% agree with you, but you know, lame duck congresses don't necessarily, or I should say, historically, they never get anything done. Well, and, they, and what's the danger to General Motors if there is not a bailout bill this coming week? Well, the real question is that with the cash burn that occurs, uh, they become much more fragile. And then as, for example, suppliers uh, say, well, I may not get paid, then everybody sort of rushes to get first in line. And as you begin to get panic, uh, that in itself can precede the actual financial uh, uh, wall that they may be uh, dealing with. And, and it's very important to have emotional stability. This is one of the things that we saw in the financial meltdown is that uh, if people start running on the bank, uh, there is a problem. No bank has all the money that people deposited in the bank. It's somewhere spread around and it may not even exist. Uh, so uh, we have to avoid uh, a, a panic in this industry that really could precede uh, the filing of uh, Chapter 11. But, as, as Mike says, when you have this tight fabric of the industry and you have key suppliers, you're not talking about suppliers of all the parts. All you have to have is a few key parts. Just one. Uh, one key part and, and everything <laughs> you can't build goes a car. down. And it, and it will get repaired over time. But the cost of that in time is so much greater than uh, keeping these guys in the game. And I would again emphasize that um, a lot of people are saying this is, this is an endless event. You know, we're all, that's not true at all. And if we look back historically, just like we were talking about a little earlier in, in the 80s, we had some very, very tough times, but pent-up demand always comes back. I haven't seen an electric horse, for example, that's gonna replace the car or truck. It's uh, individual transportation is gonna be a part of this game. And when you take this down as low as it is, when you get down to 10 to 11 million annual units on a, on, on a volume basis, that's unbelievable and a huge cash impact. But the other side of it is that it's creating demand for the future that's going to be astounding. Even though I totally agree with, uh, with what Dr. Cole's saying here, my read is, to, to your point of what, uh, Senator Dodd said he's counting yeah. noses and he doesn't see yeah. the noses there for it to happen. And remember, it is a lame duck, and that's always a, a funny time for Congress. But a uh, lot of work to, to, to still be done to get it done during the lame duck. If it doesn't happen there, it will happen next year. The question is, is can everybody survive that long? Right. Well, I think yeah, it's not even everybody. Yes. Really, yeah. we're talking about General Motors, right? Because it seems to me Ford and Chrysler will get through at least through the inauguration. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's hard to know. I mean, if we get into a cascading set of events, uh, things could really happen far more quickly and precipitously than anybody uh, would like to see. And one of the problems here is that uh, you can talk about it theoretically, but once this starts to get away from us, uh, we, we don't know how to shut it down. Uh, it could be such a cascading set of an event. So you could almost think of this bridge loan uh, as an insurance policy uh, that really insures 
uh, us against a calamitous failure until we have a little bit more time to put a little bit more order structure together. And probably more important than anything is to get some uh, rational thought process associated with this bailout of, the, uh, of, of Wall Street. Uh, the financial community right now is at the root of all of these problems that we have. Is the $25 billion enough for the bridge loan? I mean, you know, when I look at GM's cash yeah. burn rate, I don't think it's $2 billion. I don't even think it's $3 billion. I think it's up to $4 billion a month right now. That's, that's me just perusing the numbers. But it, I, and what I, what I yeah. want to ask you, Mike, is if it's not enough, shouldn't they be asking for what they really need now? Wouldn't it be terrible to have to come back later and say, guess what, we need more money? Oh, absolutely. I think you've got to get it right and get it right the first time. And I think part of the problem with the economy right now is, is that, that Paulson just kind of changed the route again. And, and that doesn't necessarily instill confidence. I mean, I think there are like three pots of $25 billion. One, of course, is, is advanced technology. The other one is to, to supplement the VIBA. And the other one, then, is the, is the bridge money. To, so I think Congress has taken, well, the Department of Energy is, is going through the rulemaking now and has published an interim final rule. Hopefully that money starts flowing soon. Then the second second pot is will really come out of the seven hundred billion dollars out of the TARP, mm -hmm. and the, and that's a, a philosophical question which is creating problems because a lot of the Republicans thought that and, and think that that money was really directed uh, towards the financial community, not towards automobile manufacturers. The Democrats are reading that they can use it if they want to. The Republicans are saying, no, Democrats, we want you to tell us that we can do it. So it's again back to politics and a little bit of a stalemate. Yeah. Well, you know, there's well, got to be politics. There's got to be <laughs> drama. We're talking tens of billions of dollars here. Well, absolutely. Politics and drama is just a name of the game. And I think one of the things that does hurt is what we've seen already in the perception that there are some serious abuses within the financial community. Yeah. And I said, why, has not, why hasn't this money gotten to people in terms of mortgages and credit to buy things? And so... You know, human nature, what it is, you try to strengthen your own house before you get back in action again. And, and that, I don't think, was the intent at all of the $700 billion bailout. And people have abused it, frankly. And if you look at some of the things that have been done on an anecdotal basis, it's really unconscionable. I mean, whether it's uh, bonuses or luxury uh, type of trips. Uh, and, you know, if anything is done in this industry, uh, the industry is only going to be too willing to, to obviously, there's not going to be any executive bonuses and there's not going to be any dividends. And I'm not sure. Are they going to, are heads going to roll? Are, are, are they going to uh, have to lose top executives or are they going to have to lose board members? I, I think it would be tragic if they start. Uh, well, I do too, but what do you think is going to happen? Well, who do you bring in that is sufficiently knowledgeable to make good decisions uh, right away? I mean, you look maybe some symbolically you try to chop off a few heads but if you do that and you really in a sense destroy uh, what has been going on for a great many years in terms of the restructuring of this industry that is very very positive what, what's your sense mike are, are heads going to have to roll to to satisfy uh, i don't know if the heads, political but, process but i can tell you there will be strings and i don't know what Absolutely. the strings are but they're not just going to give the money and say okay keep going you know get out of trouble and, and go they will require things. I go back to remember when the Chrysler uh, 19, what, 80? Uh, the string there was uh, four-cylinder vehicles, nothing else. Uh, President-elect Obama really wants to move forward on energy, uh, the environment, climate change. Monday, uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, I think, is going to come out with their CAFE rules, which will be uh, through 2015, and it's going to be challenging. Um, so all, and, and climate change is coming. So the industry is going to mm -hmm. face all of these issues that are all cost issues as well. 
as, as, as well as trying to get whole and healthy. So it's going to be a very challenging time for all of us. It's going to be a challenging week. We're going to have to really keep our eye on what goes oh, on yeah. there. We're, we're out of time here. I'm sorry about yeah. that. But Dr. David Cole, you know, Mike Stanton, thanks so much yeah. for coming on on Autoline. I'm going to come up in a, just a moment with a very interesting interview with Steve Henderson from Dow Automotive. Welcome to my discussion right now with Steve Henderson, the president of the Americas for Dow Automotive. Great to have you here on the set of AutoLine. Well, John, thanks for having me. And the reason I wanted to have you is I'm so interested with how Dow Automotive is trying to communicate about some of its technology. This is business-to-business communication, not going to consumers, and yet you've chosen motor racing as a way to get the word out. Why have you gone that route? Well, two reasons. First, visibility and validation. You know, some of our major customers in North America are in there, you know, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, and Toyota now. So we have a, it gives us a different stage to show some of our technology to them, but also gives us a stage, you know, to the whole North American audience. And a lot of our customers watch, uh, watch NASCAR. So proving technology out in that uh, racing environment uh, gives us some exposure that we've never had before. And you've chosen NASCAR and you've gone with the American Le Mans series and sponsoring Audi with its diesel cars. You've got a diesel particulate filter. I think the first time I'm aware of a race car ever had any kind of emission controls on it. Well, as far as far as we know as well, yeah, they're definitely, it's diesel, but it's clean diesel. And, you know, and at the end, they want to take the white glove inside of the exhaust uh, and not have any soot there. And I can say, you know, knock on wood that that hasn't happened yet, so. Let's go back to the NASCAR thing, though. You you came up with this foam. It's called what? Impacts. Impacts, yeah. And and what's that name and what's that mean? Well, Impacts. It's really an energy energy absorbing countermeasure that we developed for passenger cars. So in for overhead systems, so headliner for head impact, doors for for side impact. It absorbs energy uh, when the body uh, contacts parts of the of the vehicle. And we were working with NASCAR and a university on another application and found out they were working on the car tomorrow and said, you know, Impacts is a pretty interesting product, you know, for energy management, you might want to look at it. And uh, NASCAR was in the process of evaluating over 200 materials and they chose Impacts as the product for the car tomorrow. So we're pretty excited. And these are big blocks of foam that are in the sides of the cars. But when you first went to the races with that, it caused a lot of controversy and, and some negative feedback too. I mean. There was talk of uh, it was catching on fire and putting fumes in the car. And I, I know there was one accident where there was broken up foam all over the track. And it must have been a low point hearing a lot of that negative feedback on this very visible program. Oh, yeah, we were we were very, very excited, but I would probably say a little bit naive. And coming from the automotive industry where everything is process oriented and, you know, once you get the process, it pretty much runs that way. But with NASCAR, you've got 45 independent contractors and each one you know, does it their own way. Some follow the book. Are you saying they bend the rules? Well, not maybe the rules, but they use American ingenuity. Let's <laughs> put it go. that way. And, uh, you know, so it's, that caused a, a few issues. We were definitely uh, concerned about that. It was uh, kind of took over about everything we were doing there for, uh, for a few weeks. But uh, You must have been sweating bullets at that point. Well, we... Uh, we were concerned for the drivers. We couldn't we couldn't understand how it how it could happen, and it was a part of a system, and it wasn't just our product. The the, the system needed some modifications, and you know, NASCAR's credit, they came in and made the appropriate modifications, and since then, 
You know, no problems. Uh, well, I was sweating bullet w uh, with you guys as that was happening because I was aware of the program, but I saw it come full circle where earlier this year, Daryl Waltrip, Waltrip, you know, ex-racer who's now commenting about the races, saw one of the drivers, I think it was Junior, bouncing off the wall and just kept on going as if nothing had happened. And Waltrip said, man, I wish they had that foam in the cars when I was driving back then. And that's when I went, okay, now it's come full circle. It, it's totally accepted within the NASCAR community. It's to totally accepted for that. And, and w the point you're hitting there is, it's actually helped the cars in terms of damage. So cars that would have been damaged before, you know, are not damaged. They can take the foam out, which is relatively inexpensive to building a new uh, new chassis uh, and put another piece of foam in and they're, and they're good to go. So it's, it's saved costs, not only in terms of it versus other materials, but it's saved them costs in terms of the number of cars that they have to rebuild. So. And then last year at uh, Talladega, we saw a horrific accident. One of the cars just barrel rolling down the track. Such a, a horrific accident, in fact, that it made the national news, not just motor racing news. And the guy walked away scot-free, no problems. Yeah, we, and we saw a similar thing this year with Michael McDowell. If you saw that, his car uh, flipped, I don't know, seven, eight times. The front and the back were totally smashed. And if you looked at the area around the driver, it looked pristine relative to the rest of the car. So it really kind of shows the, you know, the power of that product used in the right way. So how has going to motor racing for B2B communication worked out? Do you have any way of measuring that? Well, there's certain ways to, to, to measure it. I know new, new business, I mean, we're, at, we're actually selling more product into NASCAR and they're taking it into other series. So we have that revenue stream, but in terms of products and, and uh, visibility, Impacts is now the best known brand we have in, in Dow Automotive. And, and we thought it would be powerful, but we had absolutely no idea how powerful it would really become. And now, you know, looking back on it, we think, well, you know, if we have some other products we want to take into racing, you know, we'll take the similar approach. Fascinating. And, and quickly, on uh, the American Le Mans series with uh, the diesel particulate filters, yeah. same sort of story, or is that still a little bit behind your NASCAR story? Well, it's a, it's a very similar story. You know, in this particular case, the OEMs came to, to us for some new technology we were develop, developing for diesel filtration, and we put it on the put it on the race car and crossed our fingers and you know made it through the first race and you know they they won the 12 hours of Sebring and then went on to win the 24 hours of Le Mans the Audi team and then won Le Mans last year and again this year and we also have a partnership with uh, Peugeot they saw what uh, Audi saw in our product so we're uh, supplying that to them as well Real good. Well, Steve Henderson, thanks so much for coming on and bringing us up to speed about how Dow Automotive is getting the word out of its technology using motor racing. Oh, thank you, John. Great to be here. Please join me again next week when my guest will be the Chief Technology Officer for the Ford Motor Company, Gerhard Schmidt. If you're interested in all the new technology that Ford has got coming, you're not going to want to miss this one. And if you really want to keep up with all the latest news and developments in the auto industry, check out our new program, AutoLine Daily. You can find it at AutoLineDaily.com. Thanks for taking the time to tune in today, and please join us again next week for another edition of AutoLine Detroit.